every single image is serving a purpose. It's showing and telling and showing and telling because that's the way as humans that we take in and digest 90% of what is going to matter in terms of making a decision. It's, it's the visuals on the page. Welcome to the High Voltage Business Builders, a show where we interview people committed to making their next million through passive income using real estate, brokering, e-commerce, and beyond. If you're a passionate business builder yourself, visit VoltageB2B.com to get in touch now. All right, folks, welcome back. It's Neil from High Voltage Business Builders Podcast. We're here talking with my good friend, Danielle, about Amazon conversions, branding, and all kinds of other cool stuff. She's chiming in for Peru today. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with you. Sure. I'm the founder of Vineful Goods, where we help build launch-ready listings for Amazon brands. Uh, we've been around five years, the last two and a half of which has just been focused on listing optimization. So I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And we're going to share our three-step formula and break it down for you. Okay, let's dig in and start to unpack that. Tell us what we need to know about getting great conversions on Amazon. All right. So the way that we distill it down, and this is after working with hundreds of brands on Amazon, uh, we used to have this long, lengthy guidebook that we would follow that we called the buy now method. And really, if you distill that down, there's three critical steps. And this is something that everybody who's listening should be thinking about when they're optimizing their listings for Amazon or considering whether the value is there for them to do so, right? So the first step is leading with SEO copy so that you can get found by shoppers. So the second step is once you've gotten found by shoppers through your SEO copy, how do we make sure that they're clicking on your listing versus anyone else's? So that's done through the main image and your offer, right? The third step is once you've gotten found, once you've gotten the clicks, they're inside your listing, how do you get them to convert, right? And we do this through a combination of techniques, show and tell graphics that are storytelling all the way down the page, answering questions, and really using every single asset that Amazon is giving you in order to convert the shopper. So at a high level, those are the three steps that we recommend that every seller go through. And I'm happy to unpack it for you. Okay, so as a seller understands, let's just follow that thought through for just a second. Let's say I have all of those things in place. What's a typical Amazon conversion rate look like? I know it's referred to as unit session percentage, which some of the sellers might recognize. Others who are brand new may not know that. They may know the phrase conversion rate. What am I looking at? If I hit that perfect momentum, what is what is the goal? What am I shooting for? It really, on average, what brands are seeing is anywhere from 10 to 20%. But what you should be looking at as well is where your offer lies within the price spectrum, right? So if you're a higher ticket price point, then your conversion rates are going to be a lot lower. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just something you need to know what the benchmark is going to be, that it is going to be a little bit lower. And then if you have, let's say, a lower price point, you can probably achieve a higher conversion rate beyond what the average is. But it's interesting, right? If you look at every step of the funnel, there's a way to optimize for everything. So figuring out, you know, what is the keyword density that's going on within your listing organically? Are you driving traffic towards those keywords? Is that is your sessions increasing over time, right? The second part is how many people are coming into your listing? Are you able to increase that? Have you even done any split testing with your main image? And then third, coming into your listing, have you really maxed out on what you can do with your product images, with your A-plus content? Like, what Was there a strategy there? And can you improve each one of those steps incrementally over time, right? So for instance, YesBar was, was a great example of a brand that we work with where we overhauled everything. They were already an experienced seller, already selling well. 
but they realized they had competitors entering the space. So they wanted to level up their listings, make sure they were staying competitive, um, which is a challenge, right? You, you oftentimes the advice is don't mess with the listing that's working. Uh, but this is a brand that really wanted to defend their territory and, and they were going places in the future and knew that they needed to reinvest at that time. So before changing everything on the listing, even though all the assets were ready to upload, we just uploaded that main image. We had already done split testing off of Amazon and then validated the image and brought that image into Amazon. Now they're split testing within Amazon, within Seller Central, but depending on your velocity of sales, you may or may not want to wait for the that split test to complete itself, right? So we always do a test off of Amazon. And now we recommend that brands do at least try to split test and validate a second time on Amazon. That's a very good feedback. I mean, because I see a lot of... Uh you know, immature sellers or are new or maybe a little naive, or maybe they're not being trained on the right methodology, making too many changes too fast before they even recognize what it is they should have changed or even remembered what it was they did change. And before they know it, what you uh, expect, and I'm sure you see this, Amazon will make negative changes faster than positive changes. So if you split an image or change something, you don't remember what it was, you can affect your SEO and your search rankings very quickly. Instead of, say, I turn something and I've got to wait three to four days to see the positive results of that, you can impact it negatively in that tendency. Is that sort of your experience, too, after doing this? Absolutely. We always recommend just waiting a two-week time period. If you're a higher-velocity seller, you can probably get the data you know, in less time. But for lower-velocity sellers, two weeks is a good benchmark. You can use that data against your previous data and understand what's going on, right? And so if you're thinking about isolating changes, Copy is one of the things that you'd want to be the most careful of. So you wouldn't want to just delete everything from your listing and re-upload a new file because that's going to like de-index you for all your keywords, right? You would want to kind of look at what's performing on your listing first and make subtle changes one sweep at a time every two weeks, right? So if you're changing some main words on your title, right? You wouldn't want to just delete your whole title. You want to start kind of swapping one keyword for another maybe you know maybe that would be the one change you would make and you just wait and, and check the data right and maybe you, you're changing strategies with your ppc and that's something that it's a it's a different keyword that you see performing well and you want to go after it a little bit harder so you add that to your title you remove something that's maybe not as critical or not performing as well but that's something that you can isolate and you can change and you can watch and see what's going on versus if you were to just upload all the images all at once and change your copy you wouldn't really know what's working and what's not yeah, no, that's fantastic advice, um, especially for those who maybe already are in the market. For those who are new, obviously, you're going to have to make that first level listing and get it started. For those who, let's say, let's break this down into the two types of people I know we're talking about, the two avatars, someone who's brand new, who's getting a listing going, and someone who maybe already has a business listings and stuff in the market. Let's start with the brand new people first. So those are brand new, they're getting started. Hey, I'm all Jojoed up. My product's coming. It's time to build my listing. What's the simplest, fastest thing they can do to sort of uh, put their best foot forward, even if it's not perfect? So here's the thing. I don't want people to think that you have to use a service like ours just to get up and running on Amazon. Surely we can get you there faster. We do this day in and day out for brands. So it's become like our, our thing, right? We, we know how to do it. But there are so many new sellers that can do this stuff. It is possible. If you are friendly with tools like Canva, um, or let's say you have a little bit of Photoshop experience, like you can create your images yourself, you can look at what your competitors are doing and try to think through this process and understand what is it that we need to answer for shoppers, right? We actually have a free training that we offer called launchreadylistings.com where you can get the basics of what you need to do to 
create your listings from scratch, right? All of these three pieces that we're talking about, what are the tools that we use? Yes, there's a lot of little bitty steps that you need to be considering that are probably way too many to go over on this podcast. But if you just think about those three critical steps, it is doable for most people to do. There's tools like Fiverr. We typically don't use something like Fiverr or recommend it only because it's a lot of back and forth. But let's say you don't have a budget to get your listings up and running. A Fiverr option could be something that you're willing to invest time on personally to go back and forth until you have assets that you enjoy. You can use services like ours or there's um, if you're going to be working with an agency, sometimes they will help you set up your listings uh, initially. So it's about understanding what your agency is offering. No, it's great tips. And it's something that I would I would tell people to, you know, to act in perfectly and something perfect will happen along the way, uh, especially if you're continuing to work the process, which obviously, you know, from the years of doing this, it is a process and a methodology you're talking about uh, for those who maybe aren't kicking in uh, this uh, concept. Uh, for those who might already be in the market and looking to say, OK, where where does my next impact come from? And say I'm on page 17 or 12 or five, but I still haven't even been anywhere near page one yet. And of course, sales and stuff are suffering. Um, what would I expect to do initially to try to make that impact? This is something we see a lot. About 50% of our clients are, are net new to Amazon, meaning they've never been on Amazon before. And then 50% of our clients are already selling on Amazon, uh, some of them selling well, some of them not, right? And one of the things that we like to look at is actually looking at the listing from the front end of a shopper's experience, right? Like if a shopper is coming to your listing, and this is this is something anyone can do, I'm going to share a pro tip. Take the URL from your listing, drop it into pickfoo.com. You can use the code mindfulvip and I think you'll get 50% off, but drop your URL to your listing in there, target Amazon Prime shoppers, 50 of them, drop the link and just ask a simple question. Tell me what is missing from this listing. If you were going to buy this product, what is missing? And look at all the responses that people are going to give you and pull out the things that start repeating themselves into patterns. And I guarantee you'll have like five clusters of what people are saying over and over and over again. And it's like, those are the things that you're not addressing. Those are the things that when a person hits your page, it's too much for them to be searching for things. You have to hit them over the head with what it is you're trying to share about your product in the most simple visual format possible, right? So something that we do is we like to focus on show and tell graphics. Oftentimes I look at brands who have been selling even for years and they still only have three or four product images. And all of the images are like showing the, the front of the, <laughs> the front of the product, the side of the product, this side of the product and the back or something just generic, right? People today they need to be entertained. They need, if you want to keep them on your page and get them to buy, they need to be engaged. They need to, they, they're looking for something that's going to convince them to buy. So it's about figuring out what your storyline is, answering all their questions and making sure that every single image is serving a purpose. It's showing and telling and showing and telling because that's the way as humans that we take in and digest 90% of what is going to matter in terms of making a decision. It's it's the visuals on the page. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and if you guys are paying attention, even new or existing, that was a very big pro tip. Uh, getting feedback uh, is one of the more difficult things people tend to not understand. And you just gave them a big tip for uh, product research. If you want to validate a product that's in the market and you want people's feedback as to what they like or don't like about a product you're considering to sell, uh, or as you very astutely pointed out, if I have a product in the market and I want to make sure 
I understand what the selling value, the points and the feedback is. Uh, there's an audience there uh, at PickFuku that can help you. That's a very, very powerful tip and can really increase the value, the branding, even the pricing of your product uh, and some unique selling position. That's a very, very powerful tip. Um, I would say uh, you just gave the ending away. I was going to ask you to give us a really cool tip at the end, and you jumped to <laughs> you jumped to an amazing <laughs> feedback. <laughs> I don't want to end. I have another one. Okay, let's hear I have it. another Bring one. It. This episode is going to be packed. Yeah, it's yeah. jammed no, already. No, 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 not till attention. the end. We're going to hide this one. This, okay. one's, this one's secret. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, you know your stuff, uh, and you know what's going on. So because of that, let me ask you a different question. Go a different route for a second. Um, looking into the next year with a five-year history behind you in the Amazon marketplace, obviously around branding and, of course, uh, brand management. Uh, it was a big component of the of the seller process. We just talked about uh, that on a previous episode. And obviously, you and I have talked about that in our private conversations. But going forward uh, in the next year, give us, uh, you know, open your crystal ball for me for a second. And I won't hold you to the projections or the outcome, but uh, give me some thoughts into what you see as the future year of Amazon ahead. What do you expect to see pros and cons? I think that we're going to see much more dynamic accessibility to content in the future. So if you look at storefronts as an example, and maybe even um, the advanced features of A-plus content that most sellers don't get yet that are either given to vendor sellers or given to Amazon Launchpad sellers. You can kind of like get a teaser of what's going to be coming out. So for instance, in storefronts, you have the ability to create what's called background videos. And I haven't seen too many brands taking advantage of them, but I think they're incredibly engaging pieces of content that you can add to your storefront because everything on your storefront today or what's what's been happening in the past has been static, right? Which means it stands still and people are just scrolling and it just looks boring for for especially for younger shoppers who are used to a very social media interactive experience, right? So when you are able to use these background videos, you can do creative things like animated loops. So imagine you have a clothing brand and you have a model that's walking across the screen and you see the material of her skirt just flowing across the screen and you see uh, like her go out of the screen and a guy walk across the screen. You can have that looping on a video, a person walking side to side, and that could just be looping. It won't have any sound. But as they're scrolling down your storefront, you're going to see some kind of movement of the types of products that they have, right? So it's a really engaging factor to keep people scrolling and engaged and viewing your content. So I think things like that are going to be used more frequently. And I think Amazon's testing them right now on storefronts and considering bringing them into listings, or at least I hope they are. Another thing is shoppable images, which I love. We always recommend putting these at the top of a storefront, right? Because it's an image with all these little dots on the screen, right? And each dot can link to a different product. And when you click on the dot, you can one click buy that product, like add it to your cart. Done. So let's say you have uh, warm traffic coming from Google. They search for your brand. Amazon comes to the top like it always does. They click and Amazon's taking them to the brand storefront. Well, if you have the big banner image at the top that is a shoppable image, if the client already knows what they're looking for, they can click and buy right there, right? If the audience is colder and they're hitting your storefront, you can still do everything else on that storefront and still storytell. So those are kind of the things that get me excited is like the new options that might be coming out. Right now, I feel like A plus content is very limited, but there are formats that are working that uh, do lift sales considerably and do improve conversion. So I believe that there's a right way and a wrong way to do things as simple as A plus content. 
So in terms of targeting and traffic, that, that's very fantastic insight. So I hope you guys are paying attention to that. As soon as it, you know, in terms of targeting traffic and conversions, you and I both know there's millions of page one keywords um, that your product can get in front of, but only you know less than 10 or so are gonna be your highest value, highest target, highest ROI keywords. When I'm searching and I'm going in and someone is looking for my you know, content or I'm, I'm looking for them to find my content, what is the, if I, let's say my unit session percentage right now is like 7%, not great. I'm probably not going to get onto page one for many of my top keywords. Where am I going to really need to get that at in terms of the effort I'm putting in? Where do I need to see that incremental value change to before I would see Amazon rewarding me with a page one return for that keyword? Oh, that's a great question. I wouldn't know the answer to that question. Okay. Well, that's all right. I do. Uh, I thought maybe not to trip you up. That really wasn't the goal. The answer is usually around. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, tell me. It's usually around, it's usually around 18%. So for the top three to five keywords you're targeting, uh, your conversion rate usually needs to be above 18% uh, for you to reach that top five position on page one. Uh, If you're going to maintain it over time uh, above 18% consistently month to month uh, through your unit session percentage, otherwise known as your conversion rate, uh, is where you're going to reach top five uh, keywords, top five positions for your product keyword. That's when things really start to take off. That's when longevity longevity sticks in and, you know, your keywords and division really take off. Great. So if you're shooting for that, um, you're obviously going to win. If you get above 20 percent, uh, then it's just a matter of time and tracking. You just got to make sure you get uh, involved in the tracking and component. So for those that are listening, I'm curious to go a little bit deeper on that. Um, when you say. converting on, let's say your top three keywords, what is the benchmark for those for those keywords, right? Are you looking at a certain, um, let's say there's like 20 top keywords for for a particular product, right? Are you saying, you know, three of the the ones that are maybe 10k organic impressions per month? Or are you looking at something a little bit higher? Like, is there a benchmark there? Are you it's conversion? What are you trying to, which ones are you is, going after? Is the highest converting keywords for my product that is most relative to the search results, but also my PPC campaigns. So tracking and measurable keywords that I know are, are buying keywords for my product, whether they're tied to my uh, ITK, the node in which I'm in, or the product that is most profitable or most uh, closely aligned with brand intention or purchase intention for that product. And that is usually going to be around three to five of those top keywords. Uh, they will also be the ones with the most impressions, most uh, traffic on them. They don't mean they're the high, you know, traffic is not just an impression of buyer. You know that because I could have a hundred thousand a month, you know, impressionable keyword, but it's very broad and has no buying intent whatsoever. I would rather have a three, four, five thousand, you know, session a, a month keyword that pulls in 30 percent conversion rates uh, across the board for my product. So it really has to do with a combination of metrics. Um, that equal the answer there. And, and I think if you were paying attention, I just gave it to you. <laughs> Those who are listening, not you, that was going to sound trite if I said that way. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if let's say, let's say they have, you know, they go into it, they create their listings, they do the research and they understand there's about 20 keywords um, that, that they've researched, let's say on something like Helium 10 and they've understand, okay, these are the top keywords used in our category specifically that we think are related to our product. We set up our listings, we put those keywords in, we start running ads, and then we realize of those 20, maybe only like three of them are performing and they're not the ones that are the highest traffic keywords. But three of them are performing well at that 18% conversion. Are you still saying that they would achieve those results or 
What's, what do you say about that? So in terms of those keywords, obviously, if they are, uh, there are different positions in the listing down to the weighted aspect of the title, the bullet points, the search terms, the A-plus content and description, which node you're actually within. There's a whole series of variables that would answer that question. And they sort of got to come into alignment. It's like a key combination code. As you unlock each one of those variables, you unlock the additional keywords uh, that are considered most relevant to your product. It literally gets down to the relevancy. Does Amazon's algorithm determine you are the most relevant? It will send you more traffic. As you start to convert higher than your competitors on that keyword, you will open up additional keywords. So as you see those other keywords that maybe aren't converting as high, but maybe they are converting in your PPC campaigns, there's a way to, you know, you got to optimize the listing towards that keyword of maximum value that may have more impressions, but also equals higher conversion rates. Uh, so it's just another step in the optimization process. Does that make sense? Totally. That's actually the, that loops us back to what we were talking about earlier, where if you are an existing seller and you're already running ads, one of the things that I love to do is pull those search term reports to understand what has been converting well for you. And if someone else is running your PPC, ask them to pull this for you every month and send it to you so that you can understand what keywords are, are performing well. And then go and look at your listing title, bullets, everything on the back end and try to understand where are these keywords specifically in your listing. If you notice one word is converting, uh, one, one keyword's converting really well, you might not even have it in your listing. Go ahead and throw that somewhere in the title or in the bullets and then watch it for a week, watch it for two weeks and see what happens. You know what has an even higher value point for that target keyword once you've identified it in the listing? Do you know where in the listing you can actually stick that and, and to get a not only a customer validation, but a higher conversion rate? Ooh, let's see. I was going to say search terms. I may tell you that on a whole nother podcast. <gasps> no, I'm going to tell you now. <laughs> in the questions. Questions actually have an independent rankable value, just like all the reviews. So in the reviews, obviously you can't control the reviews. Please don't go control the reviews on Amazon. You're going to get screwed. Um, but in the questions, you can ask questions on your own, or you can have others ask questions, or you can target questions that are targeting the keyword of the highest affinity. That keyword will give more relevancy and weight because it is a question asked by a customer. It does not appear to be you manipulating the system. And by no way am I actually suggesting that you manipulate the system. I'm simply saying questions on the listing have a good SEO impact. That is a huge pro tip. There you go. That one's for you too. <laughs> All right. So as we finish up, we've obviously covered two different aspects uh, of this conversation. <laughs> we're going to stop now or we're just going to keep giving away the house. The aspect of somebody who might be new getting started and wanting to obviously take some imperfect action, you gave some amazing pro tips on that today. Obviously, we got into some more advanced stuff for those of you who are listening, who are already sellers, uh, who might want to get involved in the next level of conversions and optimizations and the methodologies. I encourage you to check out what uh, Danielle's doing. Check out her free resources. Look her up across all the social medias. Uh, look her up on the website that she mentioned a minute ago. Go ahead and drop that website one more time for me here to make sure we get it right launchreadylistings.com. And in there, we actually break down each one of the steps, show you examples, and then show you case studies of people improving sales 200, 300%, improving click-through rates 11.8% or more just with simple, simple changes. But are we also going to give away my, my other favorite tool? Let's do it. All right. For those of you that have been really wanting to level up your listings, one of the things that we hear the most from brands is that they don't have the funds to be doing lifestyle shoots that can cost thousands of dollars, right? There's a new lifestyle studio that we use for photo shoots that we are obsessed with. It's called Suna.co, S-O-O-N-A. 
if you use the code MindfulVIP again, just like with PicFu, you will get credits to get free photos. But what's great about it is it's very similar to the model of product on White Studios. You ship your product to them. You pick out what kind of props and sets and looks and colors that you want to showcase. You want it on a shelf. Do you want it in a kitchen? Do you want a model holding it? Um, this is a really great way to get realistic, beautiful photos. They build a huge catalog of images and you can just buy the ones that you love. Does not cost thousands of dollars. Um, and that is our partner for photo shoots that we use with our clients. Um, and I think that it's something that everybody should have access to and know about, which is why I like to share it in these types of podcasts. Fantastic. This has been a great episode. Thank you so much for coming on, joining us from Peru, dropping some bombs. Folks, I recommend you go check it out. Uh, get some information from her. The free resources are, are extremely powerful on this podcast to share and like it, subscribe and rate if you enjoyed this one. And we'll have you back another time because I'm sure we got lots more to unpack in this conversation. Thanks again for coming on. If you like this episode, please share it with people you think will enjoy it as well. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode of High Voltage Business Builders. 